NFL Week 14 upon us. And Chris, you've got the clean shave, a fresh start. So far, so good with our Vikings bet last night, although they sure made it a little bit sweaty down the home stretch. Oh, come on. You know, it's really easy to handicap games like that. It went exactly as I planned it to go. It was never in doubt. And it really just, uh, you know, brings to light how easy the handicapping part of this is. Uh, uh, you, 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 you figure it out and it goes exactly as planned. And uh, we deserve a lot more credit for that hard work. <laughs> yeah, well, Scott, while Chris and I were on the side, fortunately, you passed on the total. You did have a lean to the under on our Tuesday show. What do you make of the way that game just went off the rails in the second half? Well, first of all, we could have used the Vikings to do that, make that same stop a week earlier against Detroit, of course. But yeah. uh, it was unbelievable, uh, you know, the holes that Delvin Cook had in that first half. Um, you know, he even joked afterwards, I think he was talking to Aaron Andrews or whoever it was, and said, you could have ran through those holes, right? Um, it, it was it was unbelievable. They were massive holes. Um, and then, you know, I mean, the other thing in that game, Pittsburgh was driving in that first scoring drive, and the Vikings had actually stopped them uh, for a little bit of negative yardage on a little wide receiver screen. And they got that taunting uh, call that took what was going to be, I don't know, a third and 10 or third and 15, I think, uh, and basically gave them a first down around the 20-yard line or something. And the Steelers obviously went in and scored a touchdown. And who knows what would have happened if they would have stopped that. I mean, maybe Pittsburgh would have never got going, but – uh, you know, that's kind of the way football works. Sometimes you get a little bit of break and then they take advantage of it. But, um, you know, and I don't know how much that first half um, deficiency in defense. Pittsburgh was, you know, um, T.J. Watt, he had the groin issue. I kind of noticed he was kind of grabbing at it when he was still in the field. And then, of course, he comes off. But Unbelievable how it just kind of flipped uh, the switch uh, in the second half. Yeah, well, Chris and I will go ahead and take that result. And with Thursday in the books, let's take a look at a full-screen graphic showing our records year-to-date. And we'll see if we got the uh, last-minute update. No, so this is the same info we saw on the Tuesday show. Chris and I uh, are one win better thanks to the Vikings coming through last night. Still some work to do to get into the positive side on the win column. Scott staving off a loss on the total, so we will look to build on this moving forward, not only with the picks we provide, but more importantly, the process we get into as we break down each and every game. And before we dig into the rest of the Week 14 slate, a shout-out to our YouTube audience. Go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, jump in that chat, let us know what you think as we work down each game on the weekend card. And guys, let's get to it. Of course, if anybody in the audience is looking for Raiders, Chiefs, or Seahawks, Texans breakdowns, you can find those in our Tuesday show. We broke those down a bit early this week. So the first game we'll get to for today's show would take us to the early window on Sunday with the Saints traveling to New Jersey to take on the Jets. Saints currently five and a half point road favorites, total of 43. And Chris, you're on a side in this one. Yeah, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Uh... You know, the, the, we all know the Jets have their problems. They've lost players all week long again, and it just keeps getting uglier. I have them 27th in the league. Uh, the Saints are finally getting healthier. They have Kamara and a, a few other guys coming back. Uh, and uh, worry a little bit about Hill behind uh, center. Uh, he has his issues, but uh, I, I think Kamara's really going to help him out there. And uh, I have them still at number 15 in the league somehow. They seem worse than that. But uh, I'm taking the Saints to cover uh, the five and a half here. Uh, it's, it's basically my numbers say that they're supposed to. 
And I'll revert back to uh, the trend I brought up since 2016. Row home underdogs of three and a half or more since 2016 are 38%, believe it or not, coming into this season. So uh, uh, maybe that'll help me out. Yeah, well, I'll make this, uh, I'll call it my Alice in Chains game of the week, my favorite song of theirs. I stay away, and I just don't know if I want anything to do with this one. I know Kamara's going to be back, but not sure if he'll be quite at full strength. No Ingram in the backfield. And looking at the quarterbacks here, Taysom Hill dealing with mallet finger. That's like the injury of the season for quarterbacks. We saw Russell Wilson go through it earlier. Zach Wilson, 10 healthy fingers. I'm still not sure which team has the better quarterback situation in this one. So I'll go ahead and stay away for now. Scott, what are you looking for in Saints-Jets? Uh, I'm looking just to get a whole lot of this uh, injury and COVID stuff cleaned up. Um, it looked, you know, uh, their left tackle, Toronto Armstead, limited in action. So he may play, which is good. Uh, if he, Obviously, they're getting Kamara back, which is huge. Um, and James Hurst, who's kind of filled in both at right tackle, left tackle, even up for uh, the right tackle, uh, Romantic is out. Uh, Hurst has played pretty well. So I think they'll be in a decent spot on offense, short of, you know, whatever injury uh, issues created uh, for Taysom Hill there. And then uh, on, the, on the defensive side, Davenport, limited practice. He's been out, uh, so he might come back. Unfortunately, Cam Jordan got put on COVID list, but he might be able to come back, uh, you know, yet by Sunday. We'll see. Um, so I'm kind of waiting to see if they come back too. Because if all those guys are back, this just defense is horrible. And, you know, I'm just looking here. They've short of the Houston Texans where they only allowed 14 in Miami. They only allowed 24, 33, 45, 45, 31, 54, 27. I mean, Hill doesn't even really have to throw the ball. He could just, they can just run the ball and probably get to 24, 27 points in this game. So, um, and, and the Jets looking here, they're what number, um, 32 and big pass plays allow. I mean, they're going to give up big plays. I don't want to have the Jets at all. Uh, I, I'm not going to lay it with the Saints right now, at least, especially because we don't know the injury situation. But this is a game where this New Orleans should be able to steamroll this team uh, if they can just get a few pieces of, of the puzzle back. But uh, I would actually lean under here a little bit. I've got a fairly decent value on the under in this game as well. Kind of like last week, I had that against Philadelphia. I just worry about the Jets' defense. But um, – I think the Saints will be happy just to run the ball, eat clock, get out of Dodge with a, a win and and move on. Yeah, well, Scott, you touch on the Saints getting healthier, and that's part of your handicap. And the next game on the board, Jacksonville traveling to Tennessee, where the Titans currently laying 10, double-digit favorite there, but plus 105 juice attached to that number, total 43.5. Aside for you in this one, Scott, let us know where you're looking. Uh, I'm looking at Jacksonville. I would, I would want the 10 or more. I think that's uh, important. Um, and this is just another numbers play for me. You know, last week I'd kind of said, Hey, I like Seattle based on the numbers. Uh, a few weeks ago, we took Houston at Tennessee. Uh, Houston won the game outright, but let's be honest, you know, um, they got a little fortunate and Tennessee wasn't super, super focused to that game. And Tennessee is getting a lot of pieces of the puzzle back, especially on defense, as well as Julio Jones. They'll still be out with, uh, without AJ Brown, I think. But I mentioned this a few weeks ago in that Tennessee game. Since Tannehill started, which is, uh, you know, I think he came, he started starting for him about halfway through the 2019 season. So we're about two years in now. Um, they've been a, a home favorite 14 times. They've only won two of those games by more than eight points. I think one of those games they blew out Jacksonville. Um, but they're not, they just don't blow teams out. And I don't love Jacksonville. Jacksonville's not, they're not a great team, obviously. Um, but 
Tennessee isn't also also isn't blowing teams out, and my numbers actually provide a little bit of value to Jacksonville here. I'll just note the other thing: I'm not playing the total here, but Jacksonville now ten and two to the under. Uh, ten of their twelve games this year under. They're not scoring points, obviously. Um, so I'll grab the ten points, hold my nose, and um, and hope that it works. When you say you want at least the 10 in this one, I know plus 10 for Jacksonville, a juicy minus 125. How do you equate that to some other numbers in the marketplace, some books maybe anywhere between 8 to 9 with Tennessee as the favorite? When you see this double-digit total, just how much juice would you be willing to pay to take Jacksonville? Uh, I don't think I'd go over the 125. Chris is better at this, and I think we even maybe offline were talking about this uh, earlier in the week. Uh, Chris, you were you were kind of – weren't you talking about – Nine and a half to ten was maybe twelve cents, or maybe a little bit more than that. Possibly, I can't remember well, what the, you said. Well, the markets come down on this game. It's eight and a half most places, and they have a teaser protection at BetUS. An eight and a half is actually worth a plus ten minus one twenty-eight. So you're actually getting a better line at minus one twenty-five than a lot of the eight and a halves uh, that are out there. But there. It, uh, but there are a handful of nines available, so it, it's pretty close. Okay. Yeah, nice. Love the advanced math and quick calculation from Chris there. Uh, I'll kick it over to Chris pretty shortly because I don't have anything on this one. It looks like Julio likely going to return. I'm wondering if the Jags might be a bit of a get-right team down the stretch. We saw the Rams really bounce back against them last weekend. Maybe Tennessee does the same here. Um, certainly some teaser protection baked into this number, as you touched on, Chris. Tennessee, where 8.5 is available to cross down through 7-3. and three. I couldn't fault anybody for looking that way, but nothing for me in this one for now. So, Chris, let us know what you're looking for. Um, I'm looking for Tennessee to lose that game so that I have a chance for my Indianapolis to win the division. Uh, and other than that, I'm going to sit this one out. My metrics come up at 8.5 right on the number. And uh, I think you guys covered every, everything else I could say about the game. All right. Well, then let's move on. Another big divisional game in the AFC. Second time in three weeks. Baltimore taking on Cleveland. This one, the rematch in Cleveland. Browns laying two and a half at minus 115. Total of 43. And Scott, you're in play on that total. Yeah, I'm going over. I went over, uh, I think we did a team total over uh, two weeks ago when they played Cleveland and Baltimore, played each other in Baltimore in that Sunday night game. It did not get there. That total, though, was 47 and a half. Now we're down to 43. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spit out some things here that don't really support the over here uh, and the fact that Baltimore scored 19 or less now in five of their last six games. Cleveland, 17 or less, six of their last seven games. So these guys aren't scoring. But I still, with my numbers, they're still showing some value here on the over 43. I still think it's a, a relatively low total uh, for these two teams. Now, obviously, if they can't get things going on the offensive side, this is going to look a lot like that uh, game on Sunday night a couple weeks ago. But, uh, again, I'm going to play the number here, and, and I just have some value uh, for both these guys to go over this total. And the other thing I noted, uh, I'm not playing the side here, but I was just looking this morning. Cleveland now 1-6 straight up versus teams at 500 or above this year. So they're – they're certainly not beating the good teams here. But uh, for me, it's going to be a play on over 43. Um, as my numbers uh, say this thing should be a little bit higher. Yeah, numbers play for you on the total. A numbers grab for me on the side. I don't love that last point you made about Cleveland struggling against teams with winning records. But I am going to take Cleveland minus the two and a half here. It is all about that number to me. Um, since week 12, we've had the Browns take their bye. The Ravens traveling to Pittsburgh, losing Marlon Humphrey. 
And I think this game's probably going to close at three, where it's not already there yet. So just a chance to get the best of the number, three being the king of key numbers. So I'm going to take the Browns minus two and a half here. Chris, what are you looking for in this big AFC North rematch? Well, Scott, uh, Baltimore and Cleveland played a 47-42 to 42 game last year at this site, yeah. so maybe you'll get that same luck. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> hey, Baltimore's becoming a thorn in my side here. They're tough because they're just depleted everywhere. And uh, Jackson lost all his running backs. He's lost offensive linemen. Uh, one stat I don't like is he's been the worst quarterback in the NFL since week five, uh, according to uh, some, the, some of the key metrics I forgot to write down. Uh, and he's even worse than the 32 quarterbacks. He's like 34th. So uh, big concern there. Uh, another issue, he's been sacked 11 times more than he was all last season. So these are issues that really concern me because my metrics are obviously you know, very solid Baltimore. Uh, Cleveland, I have rated overall number 18. They've lost more than five points uh, in value over the last five weeks. I have Baltimore actually too high. I'm embarrassed to even admit it. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's hard to kind of equate and, and equalize everything with all those gaps in the lineups. But uh, I, I think Mayfield is useless. I think this team is underachieving. Uh, I, they should have gone to the backup. I don't know why they keep running this guy out there every week. I think he's worse for the team. And uh, even though the Browns are getting healthier, they're kind of in a must-win, must-lose type of situation here where, uh, you you know, people tend to sit there and, and give them extra points because they have to win. It's a must-win. But teams are in that situation. We're, we're a little early at week 14. But uh, teams in that situation – usually don't come through. They're in those situations because they're, they're not that good. But uh, I'm going to be looking at Baltimore plus three. I'm not going to take them plus two and a half. But when the threes come up, I'm going to uh, hold my nose and probably take the Ravens. Moving on from one big division matchup to another, this time hopping over to the NFC, Atlanta at Carolina. Panther is currently laying two and a half minus 115 total 41 and a half chris another side in play for you here who do you like well i like atlanta but i'm gonna bet carolina um <laughs> the metrics are pretty uh, strong atlanta looks really easy so that kind of makes me feel better about betting carolina i'm in one of those uh, thank you i mean i have another modes with carolina because i haven't been doing well with them this year but they're on the they're off the buy they get some rest uh, they've got remote, they're in the exact same playoff picture as Atlanta and they have the new offensive coordinator. Maybe they get something working here and maybe they do something different. Uh, Atlanta's defense is still 31st in the league. Uh, they've lost 4.3 points of value against the average team over the last five weeks. And Carolina has lost value also, but not that much. I have Carolina rated, uh, much higher than Atlanta. And uh, uh, I'm not even giving them any home home field points or bump. Uh, I, but I just I can't let that sit there. I'll just have to you know suck it up and take Carolina. Yeah, I'm looking the other way, but not necessarily head to head with you. Going to go ahead and tease Atlanta up through the three and seven to plus eight and a half. 
Also looking at the first half, under 20.5 in this one. And as far as the teaser goes, for the Panthers, a pretty perplexingly firing their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, during the bye week, that doesn't necessarily equate to acquiring a competent quarterback, so I'm not too sure what they're expecting there. I don't trust Cam Newton to build and maintain a margin against anybody in the league right now. And with this being, again, a divisional game, some familiarity between these teams, low total, that implies reduced variance, which bodes well for underdogs going up through a touchdown in teasers. So that's the Atlanta teaser leg here. And as far as the total goes, uh, I do like the under as a way to get in play against both offenses here. And specifically the first half, to protect against any endgame shenanigans, I know I had a full game under involving the Falcons earlier this season at New Orleans, and that looked great in the first half, and then all hell broke loose from there. So I'm isolating the first half. But Scott, you're also in play on the total, and tell us what you're looking for from a full game perspective. Yeah, I'm on the under for the total. Um, I have no problem with the first half total. I think that's a good play as well. Uh, and I would play Atlanta here in a teaser. I wanted to tease him with Seattle, but that that line right now has gotten out of teaser range here. So uh, I'm just going to put it in. Just We'll just mention it as a possible teaser candidate here. But I, like I said, I like the under as well here. So a couple things here um, to kind of support the teaser and then also the total as well. Uh, first of all, these two have they've gone under seven in the last eight games that they've played here um, in Carolina. They've scored 42 or less in six of those eight games. It just does not seem to be a high-scoring game. Um, they're on grass um, as well. And then um, it just from a um, competitive nature for Atlanta to stay within this game, especially within teaser range, Atlanta this year, they played eight games against teams below 500, which Carolina is. They've lost just one of those eight games by more than six points. So they figured to stay close in this game. Uh, again, I don't really want them getting two and a half. Uh, I don't, I don't just, just, there's not enough margin for error for me there um, in this game, but I do like him getting possibly eight and a half in a teaser. I go back here. You got to go back to 2015. The last time Carolina won a game here um, versus Atlanta by more than three points. So they historically are not beating this team by a lot. Carolina just one in five straight up as a home favorite since Matt rule came aboard at the beginning of last year. So as at home as a favorite, they're not really doing much there as well. And then just going back and looking at Atlanta, they've not been a very good team the last few years. But as I went back and looked at them the last three years, they haven't lost a game by more than three points on the road as a dog um, in any of the nine games that they played versus teams that didn't make the playoff that year. So when they're playing bad teams on the road as a dog, they're, they're basically the inferior team. They're still staying very, staying very close in those games. They're either winning them or they're losing by three or less. And they've allowed more than 20 points to just one of the five teams they played as road dogs that came in with a below average offense, which is what Carolina has as well. So as, as much as this defense has not been great over the years, as much as Atlanta has not been a very good team over the years, when they played teams that are maybe somewhat of their equal badness, if you will, they've stayed close in the games uh, and the games have been low scoring. So I like the under. I, I do have some value in this game towards the under, so I'll play it under. Uh, and I'd like, like Carolina to keep it close, but I, I would only trust them in a teaser format, not just getting two and a half. That's a little slim for my likings uh, in a game, you know, with this type of team. Cool. We've got some good consensus as far as the total goes in this one. And moving on to the next game, some consensus on the side. Dallas traveling to Washington were the Cowboys four and a half point road favorites. Total 48. Scott, 
you're in play on a side that Chris also likes. And I think Chris actually had the play in first this week. You kind of suspiciously sneaking this one in at the last minute, if anybody's wondering who's copying whom. But tell us who you like and why. Yeah, Chris was accusing me, and I had to remind him last time I copied him was Minnesota at San Francisco, and that didn't work out very well. But um, I've actually got quite a bit of value here on Dallas. Uh, first of all, we got a lot of question marks for Washington on the defensive side. They were supposed to get Montez Sweat back this week, but now he's on COVID. So they're still without him and uh, Chase Young, obviously. Um, Landon Collins, I think, will play. But they've got a pretty good young linebacker that might be out this week. So we kind of have to see what happens on the defensive side for them. But they could have numerous injuries there on the on the defensive side. But my numbers support uh, Dallas uh, by quite a bit here. Um, they, I, I do have them rated as the number six passing offense. Washington number 29 in pass defense. And when Washington stepped up this year and played better competition, they're really not staying close. They've lost double digits to the Bills. The Saints, when the Saints were actually a good team, that was in Washington. To the Chiefs, I think that was 31-13. And then lost by 14 to Green Bay in Green Bay. And, you know, they, they actually moved the ball in that game. They just couldn't uh, score at the end. They did obviously beat Tampa Bay here a few weeks ago by 10, so let's give them credit for that. Um, but Dallas is getting healthy here now, where Washington's kind of a mess. Dallas now has all their linemen back. They've got all their receivers back. Um and they're also going to get Randy Gregory back this week on the defensive line. They got Demarcus Lawrence back last week. Uh, that helps a lot in combination with Micah Parsons. I think they can put some pressure on Taylor Heineke as well. Um, this number just seems short to me. I will just point out, I'm not playing it, um, but the under here, again, we've got a late season divisional under that gets even stronger um, from week 11 on. These are for higher totals now, because uh, as Chris pointed out, when you play the over in the Baltimore game, uh, but that's a lower total. But when the totals are higher, divisional matchups, and they're 6-2 and two since week 11 to the under, uh, that applies here as well. My numbers don't really support it, so I'm not touching the total. But, uh, but that situation has been very, very reliable year after year after year. So just a word of caution there if you like the over. But I like Dallas, a lot of value. I think they're the better team here. Um, so my money's going to be on Dallas. Yeah, and I would certainly lean that way, although it was interesting to see last week the Cowboys finally getting all their offensive pieces back together and, and kind of wondering if that was it as far as what they could show us, was expecting more. Maybe this is the week we see it, some more time for them to play together and, and get things gelling. For Washington, though, four straight wins and covers off their bye, despite a negative yards per play differential in each game. I think part of it relates to a big time of possession edge they've had playing some ball control offense, relying on a solid success rate, even if they're not too explosive these days. And that might get put to the test against a Cowboys defense. Scott, you kind of touched on it. Getting their best pass rushers all back together, Parsons, Gregory, and Lawrence. I think some luck the Washington football team has had lately uh, on late downs might get put to the test. And if their pass game is going to be pressured, uh, well, again, with Parsons, Gregory, and Lawrence, maybe looking for Antonio Gibson to have a big game out of the backfield but nothing for me on the side in total. Chris, we know uh, you and Scott are aligned, so let us know why you're also on the Cowboys minus the four and a half. Well, Scott said exactly what I was going to say, so he didn't leave me much to say, but... but <laughs> uh, copying I, me twice, once with a pick, Say, say it again, see if you say it better. <laughs> the, uh, I, I think this is a little bit of a... Uh, 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 by, you know, selling high a little bit here. Uh, with Washington, uh, they, they've skated by recently. Uh, they've been playing better, but they, I still have them 25th in the league. They're still bottom five defensively. 
Dallas is a top 10 team. Dallas is getting healthy. They've got all their receivers ready to go. Uh, the coach has already said, you know, basically fired the warning shots and said that we're going to get this game. And I, I just see too many players are leaving Washington due to injury and, and other issues. And the key loss, Fitzgerald's out for the season, was announced uh, this week, I saw. Wasn't that known like Logan Thomas? <laughs> He's, no, he's talking about Ryan Fitzgerald as having season. Oh, okay, okay. I just got the Logan Thomas news. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, I thought it was funny that they announced it this week. Yes. We completely forgot about him. So, <laughs> but uh, it, yeah. So the the metrics on this, like Scott said, are, are way off, and there's there's a lot of value here. When this line came out, it it was looking at five. I was just hoping that it wouldn't go to six before I was able to bet it, and I was happy to get a four. Uh, I see Bet U- US has a four and a half. If you shop, you can find better lines. But uh, I'm on Dallas. Cool. It, it took me a moment to register. Uh, yeah, that Ryan Fitzpatrick injury from week one. We haven't seen him since, so I guess safe to assume we're not going to see him over the final month of the season. Yeah. That gets us already to the end of the early window on Sunday, so we'll call a quick timeout. Another shout-out to the YouTube audience. Friendly reminder, give us a quick thumbs-up, subscribe to the channel, and we'll keep things rolling, diving into the late window on Sunday, kicking that off with Detroit at Denver. The Broncos laying double digits at home, a 10-point favorite, total 42. Chris, we might want to brand this the Allen Iverson game. We're going to talk about practice. The Lions missing 21 players. I wonder why they'd even bother to practice in that kind of situation. Well, yeah, everybody's sick. Uh, Swift isn't going to play again, uh, basically, they said today. Um, I've got Denver actually rated pretty high at number 14, and uh, they're gaining over a point over the last five weeks. And believe it or not, Detroit's gained a point over the last five weeks. And I actually heard somebody on social media refer to the worst teams in the league, and they only mentioned Houston and Jacksonville. So something goofy is going on. Uh, they didn't include Detroit on that. But traditionally, teams that uh, get that big win off their back, uh, they don't come back that strong the following game. Uh, they, 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 they breathe the sigh of relief and uh, they don't come out with that same fire uh, to get the monkey off their back. Uh, not always, but most of the time. Uh, it, golf is is not good in these type of elements, which you're going to see in Denver this week. You've got the elevation factor. You've got his tiny little hands. It, it, I just uh, I, I like Denver to I like Denver to take care of business here because they beat up on the bad teams. It, you know they they don't do as well against the good teams. But when they face a bad team, they, they like to take out their aggressions and bully them. So uh, it's not a metric play per se. It's a personal play. I, I'm taking uh, Denver in this game. Yeah, I could only look their way. Full disclosure, I teased Denver earlier in the week when they were still available in teaser territory at minus eight and a half. If the number gets back there, I would certainly endorse that. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but just something to keep in mind in case we do see that kind of line movement. Looking at this game, as far as the Lions opponent this week, uh, we know there's no D in Minnesota. We've now seen that twice in the last five days. Can't say the same about Denver. And when it comes to offense and special teams, looking for a bit of a bounce back for the Broncos. Last week in Kansas City, a 20-play, 11-minute drive coming up empty. 
And then on special teams, a muffed punt right before a Teddy Bridgewater pick six to put that game out of reach. So I think the Broncos are due for some positive regression. Again, the Lions dealing with a flu outbreak, among other reasons you cited, Chris. I could only look Denver's way here. Scott, how about you? Yeah, I've got a little value on Denver, and uh, if this comes back into teaser range, I think this can be a perfect game also to tease with uh, with Atlanta. And to Chris's point, um, they do beat up on bad teams. Still pretty good defense. They've got some pressure that they can apply. Uh, I've got them number nine in pressure rate, Detroit number 22 in allowing pressure. Um, so, you know, that could disrupt Detroit a little bit. And you go back, you know, I like to look at NFL games, and you kind of forget to Chris's point, what they do against bad teams. They haven't played a really bad team since week three. So they beat the Giants 27-13 week one. They beat Jacksonville 23-13 week two. Those are both on the road. They come home and they spank the Jets 26-0. And then since then, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Raiders, Cleveland, Washington, Dallas, Philly, Chargers, Chiefs, they haven't played a bad team. So you kind of forget what they have, the, the potential that they have to do against bad teams. And um, where they're just better than those teams uh, by quite a margin. So um, I agree a little bit of value, not super comfortable laying uh, a high number with Denver, um, but certainly if this somehow came back into teaser range, uh, I'd be very comfortable taking them uh, in a teaser. Yeah, I, like the, I like the under a little bit on this game, but for some reason it just nagged me that that somehow this Detroit defense is just going to fall apart on them. I, I can see Denver running up some points for some reason, even though they really haven't. I guess they scored 28 and 30 recently, but uh, it just seems like this is ripe for them to score a bunch of uh, points and just eke eke over the total with one Detroit score and uh, the rest are Denver points. Well, and the other thing they could do on this too, Chris, just with that that defense, they could just get favorable position on the field too, right? Turnovers and whatnot, and it leads to easy points and... um, I made the number. I was just looking. I made the number about where the total's at, but um, I don't. I don't see Detroit scoring a whole lot here. So um, you know, and then maybe Denver runs the ball once they're ahead by you know a wide margin too. Scott, you touched on Denver not having played a bad team since Week Three. As it pertains to our next game, I feel like Chris might object because they have played the Chargers since then, and the Chargers <laughs> this week will be hosting the Giants. Chargers, a ten-point home favorite. Total forty-three. And Scott, a lot of question marks in this one about who's going to be playing. What are you looking for at this stage? Well, there's a whole lot of question marks here. COVID side on the Chargers side. Keenan Allen probably doesn't play. Mike Williams and Chris Harris put on the COVID list, but I think it was just for close contact. So I think they have a a reasonable chance to still play, but we got to kind of let that play out. It looks like Jake Fromm uh, starting a quarterback. No, I think Lennon has uh, been switched in there. Oh, is he okay now? Did he clear concussion? Okay, that's that's what I heard. I saw this morning. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, I I I love Jake Fromm's line. If he did have to play, he said it's like being asked to take a final and not being able to study for it because you know he just joined uh, the Giants like last week. So all of a sudden, hey kid, go out there and uh, and throw the ball around. So uh, that potentially helps him a little bit, I guess, from a Glennon standpoint. you know, I've mentioned this situation many times. The Giants qualified in this situation as a dog of 10 or less in this game. They haven't scored any points the last few weeks. And these teams that are non-division teams going on the road as dogs that have scored 14 or less the last couple of weeks, 
Historically, they have been money in the bank year after year after year. Jacksonville against uh, Buffalo earlier this year, Houston against Tennessee earlier this year. Uh, now it's had some losses this year. It's slightly above 500, I believe. Uh, but I just mentioned that Giants are going to qualify in that as well. And uh, that's enough to just keep me off the charges uh, as a whole. Uh, I do have a little bit of value on the Giants here. For whatever it's worth, Chargers 14-27-1 is a home favorite since 2014. We know they haven't been a good home favorite. Giants 23-10 and 10 as a road dog since 2017, although 3-3 three and three this year. So that's come back a little bit. But traditionally, they've been a pretty good dog, uh, including 8-3 and three as road dogs at more than 7. Um, so uh, they, they played pretty well in this row. Um, but, you know, I, I have to kind of see how all this stuff shakes out with some of these injuries. Uh, but I would lean Giants. Um, from, I don't know, I, I you don't know what you're going to get there. Glennon, I'm not a huge fan of, but I would still probably lean Giants a little bit, uh, plus the points uh, against a team like the Chargers. Yeah, I think you touched on the big question. Chris has mentioned it for a few games this season. Who's playing? No, really, who's going to be playing, uh, to phrase it the way Chris does? That's my look at this game. I mean, Scott, you touched on Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Chris Harris for the Chargers, who's under center for the Giants. One thing that would have me possibly looking the Chargers' way Lombardi, again, we talked earlier in the season about being handed the keys to a Ferrari and driving it like a minivan, finally revving that engine a bit last week. Justin Herbert, number one in average depth of target. That was therapeutic to see, but not sure if we can bank on that week in and week out. And quietly, guys, the Chargers defense, number six in rush defense EPA since their week seven bye. So maybe some stealth improvement there. Chris seems to disagree with that. So I'll toss it over to you, Chris, to see what you're looking for in this matchup between the Giants and Chargers. I mean, you actually do have a point. The the, def, the defense was 31st. Uh, they moved up to 26th on my ranking. So uh, I, I still have the Chargers number 17 overall. Uh, they've all, they've been overrated perception-wise the entire season, just like Tennessee. Uh, and I don't have the Giants that far behind them at 25. Uh, but, you know, I, I look at I try to handicap this game yesterday. And every single key player offensively for the Giants didn't even participate. I mean, every single one. And I'm like, what can we do here? So without knowing for sure who's going to be there and how injured these guys are, how can you really put your hard-earned money on, on this? Because the Giants actually do okay on the road. They play some teams tough. They show up uh, when they can on the road, when they're healthy enough. So, uh I lean the Giants, my metrics lean the Giants, but at this point, uh, I have to sit it out until there's more information. I doubt if I'm going to get involved unless I see an 11 and there's, uh, you know, a fair amount of the offensive players playing. Yeah, a lot of injury questions, so no action for us on that one for now. And we can move on to the next game on the card where still some injury questions, but we do have a bit more clarity, so we do have some action. That pertaining to San Francisco, Cincinnati, the Niners currently laying at minus one at minus 120 on the road at BetUS, total 49. Chris, what are you looking for in this one as far as that total is concerned? Um, well, I was leaning, I, I kind of like the over and... Uh, it looks like both of these guys, these teams are going to be doing some scoring. Uh, I, I'm just painfully disappointed with that San Francisco uh, performance last week still. They just did everything possible to just hand a horrible Seattle game or Seattle team a win. I expect a much better performance from them this week. Uh, San Francisco has been doing very well. They're number 10 in my rankings, believe it or not. 
uh, since he's right behind him at 13. So I have San Francisco slightly the better team. And as we've talked about it all season long, Cincinnati last week, they had some injuries. They lost two people right before the game. They lost three people within the, in the first half. They got a quarterback that's got a uh, uh, fractured uh, uh, finger, and they don't have the depth. So they fell apart in that second half uh, last week. So uh, we saw what can happen. And I have these teams rated basically exactly where this line is at this point. Uh, I think San Francisco can run up and down the field with Kittle. I think he's a monster. I think he's one of the most important uh, parts of a team in the NFL. And, uh, 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 but I'm not going to have a side on this game. I, I just see it as uh, uh, I like both of these teams. These Both of these teams are play-on teams, and uh, I'm going to sit and watch it. Yeah, well, you said a lot of the uh, same things I'm thinking looking at the total. I'm with you on the over 49. A couple possible flights in the ointment could be bro's pinky injury, as you touched on, as well as Fred Warner on track to be back for San Francisco's defense. But I still feel good about getting in play at this number. Samuel for San Francisco, probably not going to play, but a bit of a free roll. If we do see him by any chance, this total's got to get up into the 50s. And as it sits right now, I think the Bengals' defense, in a position to get neutralized at all three levels, their best pass rusher going to be locked up with Trent Williams, their play caller in the middle of that defense recently injured, along with their top cornerback. And Chris, you touched on it, Kittle going to that Cincinnati defense that's a little bit soft over the middle could bode very well for the Niners' offense. And on the other side of the ball, the Bengals getting their offensive line back together after a bit of a cluster injury spot with their center and right tackle missing last week. Those guys being back in the fold could buy some time for Burrow and a dynamic wide receiver core for the Bengals to go to town on a susceptible San Francisco secondary. Overall, I think that once Burrow's confirmed in, which I am expecting to see, this number probably gets closer to, if not north of 50. So I like the over there. And Scott, let's see what you think on this one. The total, or excuse me, the side ping-ponging a bit with the favorite earlier this week. It went from Cincinnati as a short favorite to San Francisco as the short favorite on Wednesday. What do you make of that move, and how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, um, with the, uh, you know, I, I expect Burrell to play. So with the expected uh, additions, deletions to both teams, kind of the injury, some of the injuries you, you spoke of, I make the game a pick em, so uh, no play for me there. I've got this total, though, and I don't know that my number's right because it's pretty far off, um, but I've got this thing down uh, in, the, in the low 40s, actually. I'm not playing the under. My numbers with San Francisco have been off all year, uh, really from a total standpoint. I would say we know how San Francisco can get the run game going and eat clock and, and all that kind of stuff, so there's always that potential there. Um, I would lean under because I, I, look, I checked another model just to kind of see where that model's at, and that had this total pretty low, too, so... Uh, I'm going to lean under just because of that and respect it. But like I said, I've, I've been off on the San Francisco totals this year. And um, so I don't I don't trust them enough to, to really put any money on it. Um, I've just been off on San Francisco as a whole this year, too. So I just don't I don't really trust uh, doing much with that team. Um, but my numbers do lean a little bit to the under here. When you say you have your total for this game in the low 40s, that is a pretty substantial gap. I know you mentioned not really trusting your numbers, but as betters, we do need to be off market in order to make a bet. Otherwise, why would we lay minus 110? At the same time, when you're so far off market, that can raise some red flags. Any sense as to what it is that could have you this far off market with the San Francisco total? 
Uh, I don't know. You know, I started to go back through. We kind of talked about this, I think, maybe on Tuesday. Um, and taking a look at, okay, well, what are the numbers when Kittle's played, hasn't played? Um, you know, so I started to look at that a little bit. I haven't completely finished looking at that, but, um, you know, there might be something there where this team is just that much better offensively. I do know, uh, I believe it was the passing stats I looked at, they were much better um, with Kittle uh, playing, obviously. So there might be some some points there that maybe bring this total back up once I look into that a little bit. So that, that could be part of it as well. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. And that, that's where I'm kind of questioning. And I just need to look at this a little bit closer because it is so far off. And, uh, you know, just forget about anyone's models. Just this game being, you know, put into the low 40s from a total standpoint, it just doesn't sound right, right? So um, that's what tells me that this thing's probably off in some way, shape, or form. And uh, I have to look at it more um, to see if, you know, if I if it comes back up, if I'm missing something. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Got it. Well, it should be a fun watch and learn for you. Nevertheless, this looks like an entertaining matchup while Chris and I are on the total. Scott on the sidelines, but we'll see what we can take away from this one. And it might be I, an even more no, fun I, game. To, oh, Chris, jump back in here. Just just one thing to add on that, I think, which throws the numbers off, Scott, is Cincinnati's given up points and bushels to the teams that are you know, offensively very good. San Francisco's a good offensive team. Uh, San Fran- Cincinnati's going to give up points. The, 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 you know, there's no doubt about yeah. it. So, you know what? Yeah, and, you know, one of my models, Chris, I'm just going to look at it. It kind of tries to measure how well they're doing based on, you know, the level of competition they play too. So try to take – and one of the models doesn't necessarily do that. So try to take that into context a little bit. But you're right. I mean, they're – you know, they're – um, they're giving up points to, you know, decent offensive teams here. So and San Francisco is that. So um, I think, San, you know, San Francisco's offense has been a little bit underrated. Now, I don't I don't really trust Jimmy Garoppolo at all. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's uh, especially when they lose like a Debo Samuel who can do so many things for that offense and and, you know, attempt to kind of make Garoppolo's job a little bit easier w- along with the scheming that Shanahan does. So. I always worry about that. If you really have to trust Garoppolo to do a lot of things, I just think that's uh, that's dangerous. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, this game might be up there as one of the more marquee matchups on most Sunday late afternoon slates. But we've got one that may one-up it this week. Buffalo traveling to Tampa Bay. The Bucks currently laying three and a half for even money at BetUS. Total 54. Chris. Uh, reluctant to say it, you and I are going to go head-to-head and aside on this one. Why don't you break it down for us first? Um, I think the urgency for Buffalo is not a must-win, must-lose type of uh, situation. I think Buffalo, it, it, you know, feels the urgency here. They're going to show up. Uh, I know it's a short week for them. But they're going to go to a relaxing environment with some decent weather. And, boy, they were not happy after the last game. They, you know, they didn't like the interview questions. And uh, they didn't like the way they, they came off on national TV. And I think that that should inspire, you know, pretty much maximum possible effort in this situation. And I don't see Tampa Bay in any way having to be desperate or in a must win you know it's not like they're going to just not show up for games but uh i think the buffalo we know is going to have be there a hundred percent and 
Tampa Bay doesn't care. They can win anywhere. They don't have to have that number one spot. Uh, they're, they want to stay healthy. Uh, that's what their concern is. I have these teams rated very close together, and I, I don't see any justification for getting more than a field goal in this game. Uh, I do worry that Buffalo is one and three against the, the better teams that they played. So uh, maybe we do find out. It, you know, if they lose this game and they don't look good, that's going to really say a lot about Buffalo because this is a game that they're supposed to win. They should be able to chew up that secondary for Tampa Bay. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, Tampa Bay is going to be able to take, you know, have some success with Buffalo secondary with White gone too. But I, 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 just, I just think that this is three and a half is just too much. I would not be laying the three and a half here. Yeah, motivation doesn't factor into my handicap, but two things I would push back on. First up with Tampa Bay, uh, I think they're going to be just as motivated as Buffalo. They, I, I got to believe they want that one seed, only one team getting the bye. That absolutely has to matter to them. And for the Bills, you touched on that post-game press conference. I don't understand what those guys were so upset about getting asked why they struggled to stop the run. I mean, we knew it was coming to the tune of 46 rush attempts for the Patriots, and yet New England continuously imposed its will. Seemed like a very fair question, and, and the Bills maybe just wanting to up with something to stir the pot, to force motivation for themselves. But um, yeah, I, I thought a lot was made out of a, a pretty basic question, to be honest. So just looking at this one, trying to factor all that out of this, um, I would definitely recommend shopping for a three if you're looking for Tampa Bay. That hook could be a make-or-break factor here. But at even money, I'm okay laying the three and a half. I think the Bills may look like they're at home away from home. Chris, you touched on the conditions. And Buffalo, despite where they play, a team that's much better suited for the kind of conditions we'll see on Sunday. But again, a short week for them off a very physical Monday night game. A lot of body blows absorbed by that defense, taking on 46 rush attempts from New England. Tampa Bay might magnify that with a fast pace on offense to really wear out that defense. And you touched on it, Chris. The absence of Trey White may be much more noticeable this Sunday than it was on Monday night. So that has me looking Tampa Bay's way as far as the side's concerned. And I'm also in play on the total here. I like the over 54. A lot of that aligns with the handicap on the Bucks side of things. I also think that the Bills do have a pass-first offense that benefits them against a Tampa Bay defense that is really strong stopping the run, so that could help jack up the scoreboard with Buffalo being more pass-heavy. And I think that some stats we saw on Monday night, we touch on this Tuesday, pretty misleading. I mean, Josh Allen, maybe the best performance we'll ever see from a quarterback that only completes half his passes for a meager 4.1 yards per attempt. He was great on Monday. A similar performance could really help get this one over. That might give me some trepidation with the side, um, but still comfortable with Tampa and the over. Considering the Bills' defense inflated by those Monday night metrics, 19 passing yards allowed by the Bills' secondary, uh, that might be the most misleading stat of the season. So give me Tampa Bay minus 3.5 for even money, over 54. Scott, I know you're not in play on the side, but tell us what you're looking for as far as the total is concerned. Yeah, I'm with you on this, Matt. Uh, I'm on the over. I made the number 56 and a half, so we've got some value to the over. Uh, and I think this is a perfect game for Buffalo. This plays right in the Buffalo's hands uh, in that they can throw the ball here against this Tampa Bay team. Uh, and this is what Buffalo wants to do. They don't really want to run the ball necessarily. Uh, Allen will obviously pick up yards with his feet to keep the chains moving. Uh, but they like to go throw, and they're going to be able to throw against this secondary, I think. And, and just looking back to the beginning of last year when Stefan Diggs came and really kind of took this offense to the next level, 
Because remember, you know, prior to the last year, this was a run-first team, struggled to throw the ball. Allen was still kind of coming to his own. Also, they bring Diggs in there. They got some other pieces. And now Allen looks to be a very good quarterback. And obviously, he's got a great receiver there. So since the beginning of last year, they're 5-0 and to the over where games are totaled in the 50s. So when they're playing games that are kind of um, uh, to, to this kind of level where they're expected to score some points, they're matching that. They go to Vegas last year, win 30-23. to They lose that game at Tennessee on Monday night last year, 16-42. to uh, They just had a bunch of turnovers that kind of uh, made that game lopsided. They lose 30-32 to at Arizona. That was the uh, uh, Hell Murray game, if you remember that. 38-20 this year at Kansas City, and 31-34 this year uh, at Tennessee. So um, when these totals are a little bit higher, they're kind of playing to that. It seems to be in their mode of what they like to do from uh, in terms of just moving the ball. Uh, and I think they're going to be able to move the ball here. They're number five in my passing offense. Um, Tennessee or Tampa Bay, number 24 in my pass defense. So, again, this just plays right in their hands. Uh, Tampa Bay, will, they'll run the ball. They'll throw the ball. Um, I do think just, you know, just for future, uh, you know, dialogue on Tampa Bay, um, not having Antonio Brown, and now there's talk that maybe they'll get rid of him because of the whole, uh, you know, false vaccination card and all that kind of stuff. I think Tampa Bay does lose something in their offense. They are a little bit more of a uh, kind of a, not dink and dunk, but they're, you know, you don't see the Antonio Brown type guy running down the field, uh, 40, 50 yards down the field. So they've lost a little bit there, uh, but they still have obviously plenty of weapons. Gronkowski is huge for them. So uh, I expect them to, to, to get their points as well. And again, at Tredavious White, we didn't see that impact last week at all. Um, so we'll see what kind of impact that has, but. There's value to the over in this game for me, and, and and I like it. I think it's a good matchup for the over. Should be plenty of throwing. Yeah, should be a fun one to watch. Well, we've just got two primetime games to go, so let's hit the home stretch. First up, Sunday night football, Chicago at Green Bay. The Packers laying 13 at even money, total 43. Scott, what are you looking for in this one for your Packers playing under the lights at Lambeau Field? Uh, a little bit of value to Green Bay and the over here. Looks like we're going to get Justin Fields uh, at quarterback. He's, he's dead last for me and pass offense uh, when they when they're playing fields. Um, can, we've talked about this so many times, Matt. Now, obviously, this line's inflated a little bit more. Remember, they went to the Rams uh, week one. And that line was what, six or seven, I think, uh, at the Rams. Um, but Chicago, uh, since the beginning of last year, they have not fared well on the road against good teams. They lose by 14 to the Rams last year, lose by seven to Tennessee, by 16 at Green Bay, 41-25. Uh, by 20 to the Rams this year, 34-14. Uh, by 35 to Tampa Bay, 38-3. to That was a Justin Fields game. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if Cleveland's a playoff team. That remains to be seen. But they lost 26-6 to to Cleveland this year, uh, again with Justin Fields as well. Uh, and Green Bay, they won all their home games this year by 10 or more. Uh, so they're taking care of business at home. They've dominated this team. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not willing to go to the window and, and lay a whole bunch of points, uh, double digits here with Green Bay. But I do think there's a little bit of value here. And this total's pretty low, 43. Um, you got to figure Green Bay is going to get to 27, 28, 30 points in this game, uh, especially with Chicago. You know, Remember, they don't have Khalil Mack. They, they, they're, they're a little bit deficient on the defensive side. So I think Green Bay is going to do their share. And then it just comes down to, does Chicago get anything here? They have run the ball okay this year, and they might be able to run the ball a little bit on this Green Bay defense to at least move the ball a little bit and get a few points. Uh, but uh, I lean Green Bay. I lean over um, in this game, but but no official play for me. 
Yeah, I lean Green Bay with you as well. Should be good to see Rodgers in that toe injury better rested off the bye week. And for the Bears, getting Fields back, not sure that matters. And and regardless of directionally, whether that helps or hurts them, what keeps me off this one is the added variance of a guy like Fields as opposed to a quarterback like Dalton. So going to pass this one. Should be a good watch and learn. Chris, what are you looking for on Sunday Night Football? I have variance written on the notes. <laughs> oh, I think I had it first, but you might take it away. probably did. No, I agree a hundred percent on the variance. Uh, you know, Fields could be a fumble machine in his own uh, in his own side of the field and 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 create quick points for Green Bay, or else he could be like that guy in Pittsburgh, uh, uh, you know, railing the troops uh, off a sluggish Green Bay off the bye. So I, I just see. I don't see any value in the metrics here. I I, I know that uh, Rogers shamed the Bears, you know, saying we own you, but you know that's uh, they don't have enough to really uh, fight back with at this point. It's it, it, there was like you know kicking a guy when he's down. Uh, quite frankly, with Rogers, it was beneath him. So I'm I'm just gonna sit it out. I I just could see any scenario happening in this game. Well, Chris, you won't be sitting out the last one. Another week where we might be saving the best matchup for last Monday night football. The Rams traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Arizona laying two and a half, total 51. Chris, let us know who you like in this NFC West matchup. Oh, I think the Arizona Cardinals are flying under the radar. I mean, everybody respects them, but uh, I, I think we were talking about it earlier in the week when Arizona had those those tough wins uh, when Murray was out, people kind of faulted the the teams that they beat instead of giving the Cardinals the credit they deserved. And I think that's exactly where Arizona likes to be, frankly. Uh, you know, it's sort of, you know, out of the big city limelight. Uh, it fits their profile, so to speak. So uh, they're getting healthier. I have them as the better team uh, by yeah, not that much. Actually, the Rams have been uh, closing the gap a little bit. Uh, uh, both teams have been down over the last five weeks, uh, but Arizona's been primarily because, you know, Hopkins has been out, Murray's been out. Uh, but Arizona's at steady Eddie. And the one thing that we did notice last week is uh, McVay started running a lot of plays with six men on the line. He normally doesn't do that. He only does it like once or twice a game. Uh, I think he did it like 26 times or 24 times last week. So they're changing their style of play. They're trying to run the ball better. Uh, so that's going to be a little different from the first matchup between these two teams where Arizona won. Uh, I, I'm still not sold Stafford is healthy. Uh, I worry about his health and I worry about his big game performance. Uh, we don't need to regurgitate that. Uh, he's had very poor success against over 500 teams. So with that in mind, on a short number, uh, I got to like Arizona. Yeah, I can't fault that look at all. This is another one where I'm uh, kind of going against you, but not really head-to-head because I'll be teasing the Rams up to plus 8.5, pairing them with Atlanta. And it was good to see Murray and Hopkins back for the Cardinals last week. I still didn't think they looked 100%. And we've seen a lot of games, especially early on in Murray's career, where he's playing, but if he's a little bit hobbled, 
that can really compromise his ability as a dynamic dual threat quarterback. So that might be just a bit of a nudge to keep the Rams in this game. I like it as a number grab crossing through those key numbers of three and seven. Again, a big divisional rivalry that usually implies some reduced variance. It's good for underdogs going up through a touchdown in a teaser. So can't fault the look at the Cardinals straight up. But I also like the number getting the Rams up to plus eight and a half to pair with the Falcons in a teaser. So that's my look at this one. Scott, what are you anticipating Monday night between the Rams and Cardinals? Uh, I've got this thing pretty much where the line and total are, so nothing for me. You know, if the Rams are going to have success, you know, I've got them number eight in rushing offense, Arizona number 29 in rushing defense. So Arizona has not stopped to run real well this year. To Chris's point, maybe they, they go to the six-man offensive line to try to generate some offense that way. Uh, but I've also got Arizona very high in passing offense, and this is a Rams pass defense that's 23 in pass defense. Look, they've got... Um, uh, um, Aaron Donald, obviously a great player in the defensive line. Jalen Ramsey, obviously a great player in the secondary. Von Miller now they've added. I don't know how much is left of Von Miller, but he still could be an impact uh, player. Um, and, and you got Stafford, who's a pretty good quarterback, but maybe he's banged up to Chris's point. But they do lack a, a fair amount of depth, you know, once you get beyond some of those elite players for them. So I worry about that a little bit. I, I think Arizona's the better team here. My numbers just don't really give me value to play on it. Um, and again, this is one of those high total divisional matchups. So just a, a word of caution, these tend to go under late in the season. Um, I will say, having said that, just looking back with McVay there, there's seven and two to the over as road dogs under Sean McVay. So when they're the inferior, inferior team, they're giving up some points. Uh, fortunately for them, they've been able to score some points as well. Uh, and then last year they were a, a small road favorite here at Arizona. Uh, they won that game 38, 28 here. So, uh, we have seen kind of in this profile of teams that the Rams play, uh, the games have tended to be a little bit higher scoring. Uh, but again, that under situation um, has just been consistent year after year. So uh, I'm not looking to play over, and my numbers don't really support the under as well. So I'm going to sit back and watch. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I, I, other than Arizona winning the first game, and sometimes you know you feel like the Rams might be more focused coming back, but uh, I feel like Arizona is the better team in this game. Yeah, Chris, what I'd about like to... did you guys hear? I, I, I thought I heard that uh, Darnold uh, uh, had some sort of an injury issue that was kind of kept low key. Uh, did he show up on the injury reports at all this week for anything? Uh, I don't. You're talking Aaron Donald, right? Yeah. I don't. I didn't see that. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. Um, I don't know. Have you seen that, Matt? I haven't seen anything on that either, but it's definitely worth monitoring over the next couple of days as I try to uh, make sure to get the full exposure I want on a Rams teaser. Because if Stafford's under the radar, not so great. If Donald's also hampered, then uh, that could definitely be cause for pause if that is indeed the case. Yeah, I, I, you know what? It was one of those things where I was on the phone or I was on some other business and, and I'm listening to a podcast or a radio show and, and somebody was mentioning that he left the field and and nobody made a big deal about it, but he was clearly in pain or there was an issue with him. And, and I meant to get back to that and I never did. So um, just something to uh, pay attention to, I would think. And then, you know, last year, Murray was was not like this year. He was really banged up last year. They should have just sat him. He was a shell of himself. And that's why the team collapsed there. There was no Zach Ertz to help him out. And uh, the supporting cast that he has this year. So they're going to have a tougher time uh, coming to Arizona than last year. 
Yeah, Chris, one more thing I wanted to follow up on. You mentioned the Rams showing six guys on the offensive line last week as a look to change things up. I think you also mentioned on a recent show McVay kind of getting caught onto in the middle of a lot of his recent seasons. Is that a possible change that you think could be McVay knowing the league's onto him, changing things up, and maybe that could be an edge for the Rams down the stretch they haven't had in recent years? As I grab a cough drop because uh, I want to keep my voice for the rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, who knows? But it's you know, he's a sharp guy and he's doing something uh, that's better than nothing. And I, you, you have to expect that he's going to do it again this week. Uh, it's atypical of him to make those changes and. And if we are aware of some of the, the ways that the Rams have uh, offensively regressed every single year, well, somebody has obviously, obviously passed that information along to him, and he's going to make, you would think, he'd make an effort to change that. So certainly look for, uh, for some changes. You'd have to be an idiot not to make some changes. Yeah, well, it should be a really fun one to watch on Monday night. And that takes us to the end of our Week 14 breakdown. So we can take a look at our best bets for the week. We have some consensus, Scott and myself, on the over in Tampa Bay. I am going head-to-head with Chris in that same game on the side. Chris taking the Bills plus 3.5. I am laying the 3.5 with Tampa Bay. Beyond that, Chris, if you want to walk us down your card for the week and uh, isolate your favorite bet on the board. My favorite bet on the board. Uh, let's see. I've, uh, I've got the Saints minus five and a half. That's not it. Carolina minus two and a half. That's not it. Uh, Denver minus 10. That's probably not it. San Francisco over 49. That's not it. Do you like um, any of your bets this week? <laughs> well, no, I'm just trying to. I, I'm process of elimination. It's, it doesn't mean I. I, I, I uh, uh, um, it's just not the favorite. So, uh, I know, I know. Just please don't say Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo <laughs> is not my favorite because I think, uh, it's not going to shock me if Tampa Bay takes care of business. <laughs> they're, they're, they're supposed to take care of business. I just think Buffalo's better than people think they are. Um, I'd probably go with Arizona as being my favorite with uh, Dallas, a uh, uh, minus four and a half, uh, which you should be able to get a four someplace, uh, being my second favorite. Nice. Yeah, well, uh, I wish we could just say Minnesota minus the three, Chris, since we already know how that one turned out despite the crazy end game. But looking at things moving forward, I'm also on the Browns minus two and a half, uh, Falcons, Panthers, first half under 20 and a half, also teasing Atlanta up to plus eight and a half, paired with the Rams plus eight and a half, San Francisco, Cincy over 49, Tampa minus three and a half, and Buffalo, Tampa over 54. I'm going to give my best look to Cleveland minus two and a half. Purely from a number standpoint, I think this one closes three where it's not there already, and that hook can make all the difference in the world, especially in a low-scoring game, probably without too much variance in this AFC North showdown. So I'll give that out to Browns minus two and a half as my favorite bet on the board as things stand right now. Scott, how about you as far as the Week 14 portfolio is concerned? Uh, I think the uh, Buffalo-Tampa over 54 would probably be my favorite here. Uh, Buffalo has shown a Tennessee to to score quite a few points when they've gone on the road and it's a high total. This does play in, into their hands, being able to throw the ball uh, and whatnot. Um, and Tampa Bay is going to obviously throw the ball. And Tampa Bay is not going to take their foot off the gas pedal. I mean, I suppose if they're up by 20 points by some strange reason, maybe they would. But uh, Tampa Bay is going to feel that they need to score all the points they can possibly score to win this game. You know, and Buffalo can do the same thing. So I think we've got some value there. Uh, and then, you know, I guess second here would probably be Dallas as well. There's just a lot of value uh, in my numbers on Dallas here. 
Uh, as Chris said earlier, we're buy, you're selling a little bit high in Washington, and uh, I don't know if it's buying low in Dallas, but um, they're finally getting healthy, and uh, I think they're the superior team in this as well. Well, I think I'm screwed here because Colin Coward just put the bills on his uh, blazing five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll take it. Well, uh, well, fingers crossed going head to head with Chris doesn't backfire on me. We've had some good fortune in some of our recent consensus plays. So we'll see how it shakes out on Sunday. That wraps up our week 14 breakdown. Thanks again for joining us. If you're still with us on YouTube, give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel on your way out, and best of luck with your action this weekend. Friendly reminder, we'll be back with you live as always on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific for our early look at week 15. We'll see you then right back here at BetUS where the game begins.